You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogmeyer, and today's episode is brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful diamond ring, launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com. This exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches on January 18th and you can preview it exclusively at BlueNile.com. Before we get started, we are two writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, and I also write for the LA Football Network, but we've been covering the Chargers now going on our sixth season doing our own Facebook live show, Chargers Domination Live, and now we are on our fourth season as the host of the Locked on Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. All right, guys, well, on yesterday's show, we got into all of the candidates that the Chargers were going to interview, and there will be a little bit more of that talk today because we are going to be getting into some fan voicemails from you guys. Let me start by saying thank you to everyone who's checking us out for the first time. We really appreciate it, and thank you to all of our loyal listeners who are checking back in with us as well. So in our voicemail segments today, we're going to be talking about some of the coaching candidates that we talked about yesterday. We're also going to be getting into if Phillip Rivers could be coming back to the Chargers to sign a one-day contract. I guess I should probably add that in there, too. But No, cliffhanger. Will Phillip Rivers come back to the Chargers? We'll also get into Jason Garrett again, because obviously there's some outrage seeing that name. We'll also talk about, you know, if Brian Dable does come to the Chargers, who would he make his defensive coordinator in that case? And if maybe Ron Miles would have a chance at that. So a lot to get into with the voicemails, but we're going to start the show by talking about Tom Telesco doing his first press conference since the firing of Anthony Lynn. Obviously, Tom Telesco kept it pretty close to the vest as far as what they're going to do in this coaching search. Echoed a lot of kind of sentiments we already had heard about the Chargers so far. So we'll get into what he had to say about Derwin James and much more to start the show. So let's go ahead and get into it. Tom Telesco had his first press conference since the firing of Anthony Lynn. And there was a couple of things that stood out. And the first thing to me that stood out was just him talking about Derwin James. Because that is one of the big offseason questions is will the Chargers pick up Derwin James's fifth-year option? I mean, we're only going to have seen him in five games since the start of the 2019 season. But the Chargers, before seeing him again, are going to have to decide on his fifth-year option. So if they do pick it up, there's still a chance for them to resend it later. So I don't really see the downside to doing it. But obviously, David, this is something that he said couldn't really be an easier decision. Yeah, I mean, you look at a healthy Derwin James, and you know this guy is a game wrecker and simply one of the best at his position in the NFL. Yes, he has dealt with some injury issues. That is unquestionable. I mean, there's, you know, that's what's happened. But when he is on that field, he is a dynamic game wrecker at multiple different positions on that football field. He can affect the game in many different ways. And everything that we've heard is that his rehab has been on point. I mean, we've seen videos online with him and John Lott working out, you know, strength training, trying to rehab that knee, and he's supposed to have a full recovery and be ready for next year. And if Derwin James is able to stay on the field for 14, 15 plus games, 
then that's something I want to know what that looks like. And the Chargers really don't have much to lose because, like you said, Daniel, if he comes back and he gets hurt again, they can take that fifth-year option right back. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, I think with Derwin James, he's just such a good player. He's such a big talent. He's going to be a selling point for, you know, a new head coach that takes over even. I mean, that's how good this guy is. And, I mean, we saw him play the entire season, his rookie season, and ever since then, I mean, in the last couple of seasons have been really tough for him, especially this year, missing the entire year and not even having a chance to come back. I know it had to be brutal for him because he's a guy that is all about it. If there's a way he can stay on the field, you know he's going to explore every option. I think that makes you feel good about it. But yeah, of course you have to pick up that option. I know there are some people who are hesitant, but I think it was really the decision. Yeah, I mean... He's just too good of a player. You can't let that guy go. I mean, is that a good look for any you know general manager or any team to let a guy like that go and have him be successful somewhere else? I mean, they waited a lot longer with Jason Brett, so I think he has a better chance of coming back and being healthy on more on a full-time basis. But another thing that he talked about was the obvious lack of ability at the offensive line position. It's something he said that they have to improve, and I think that's Something that you like to see on his radar. I mean, I don't think he is blind to those things. I mean, I know you heard, you know, Anthony Lynn and even some other coaches at times really praising and saying how good some of these linemen were doing. But the Chargers still had one of the worst offensive lines in the league. He has to do something better. And he's taken some big swings in the past, like Orlando Franklin brought in Russell Okung, brought in Brian Bulaga, traded for Trey Turner. But those guys were so injured this year, it's hard to use that as a positive the other two contracts didn't end up being great. So, David, it's nice to see it on his radar, but he's going to have to do something different than what he's done because what he's done hasn't worked. Yeah, absolutely. But like you said, it is good that it's on his ra- radar because if you look at or you listen to what he has said in the past about the positions that he wants to target, like, for example, last offseason he said that linebacker was a position of emphasis for him, and what does he do? He goes and gets Nick Vigil. Then he goes and gets Kenneth Murray in the draft. I mean, they shored up those positions, so that was something that, you know, he said that he needed to work on, and he went on and worked on it. So hopefully he finally prioritizes the offensive line and really brings in some premium talent, whether that be through the draft or free agency. They have to continue to work at it until they get better because historically the Chargers' offensive lines the last 15 years has been nothing short of abysmal. Yeah, I mean, I, they did have some good offensive lines, you know, in you know, 2007, 2008, some of those years, but it's definitely been a very long time. And the one first-round lineman he's taken is DJ Fluker. They'll have a couple of options in the draft this year, so maybe they get their hands on a guy like Rayshon Slater, maybe it's Christian Derrissaw, but now in that, you know, place where they're at in the draft at 13, there still should be some very, very good options to improve your offensive line right away, and I think... The Chargers have to heavily consider it. I mean, that's where my vote would go for as far as the first pick in the draft. So I think that's huge. But the other thing I think is huge is the fact that the Chargers want to be patient in their coaching search. And he didn't really give up a lot as far as what he was looking for, David. And nor did we expect him to. Obviously, he keeps everything very tight-lipped. But he did say that they would wait if the right guy happened. He referenced Frank Reich for the Eagles when they were on their Super Bowl run. The Colts waited. They ended up getting him after that. I mean, that was, I believe, the year that the whole Josh McDaniels debacle went down too. But at the same time, I think there is kind of a weird game that has to go on right now because you don't want the guy that you want to go deep in the playoffs and have you miss out on some other guys potentially that you liked. But at the same time, you don't really have any assurances that that guy is going to walk through the door when that playoff run is over. 
I mean, the last time that he hired a head coach, he did it pretty much two weeks after firing his previous one. So I think this time he's trying to take a little bit more time. And also there's more people that are invested or going to be closely involved in this decision. So, you know, guys like, you know, Dean Spanos and the family, they're going to, and those advisors we talked about before the show, those are going to be people that are going to be involved in this decision. So I think it's prudent to, to wait and be very diligent with your decision and really interview and talk to all the guys that you want to talk to. And yeah, I mean, you might lose out on some candidates you really like, but I mean, if you really feel compelled that one particular guy is the guy that's going to take your team to the next level, then, you know, being patient and waiting for that particular person is the right move. Yeah, I do think you have to wait. And I think that if if there is a guy that's, you know, available and you're 100% sold on that guy and he's out of the playoffs or you don't have to worry about those kind of things, then you sign him for sure. But having them go after a lot of guys, eight guys is what the count is right now, I think is nice because they are casting a wide net to bring in a lot of different opinions and getting to see a lot of people before they rush to sign somebody. But some of the hotter guys might not want to wait on your decision to pick from a few different guys. They might just go to the place that gives them the best offer first. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But another thing that Telesco said was just that he sees this as a team that has a chance to ascend quickly and saying that they have a core of players to build around. That was from Fernando Ramirez on Twitter. And I would agree with that as well. I mean, the Chargers do have players that should excite potential coaches. So we'll talk a little bit more on that in the next segment because we'll be getting into how attractive of a job we think the Chargers job is and much more in our voicemail segment coming up right after this, including Philip Rivers coming back. <laughs> we will see about that. But first, I need to tell you guys that betonline.ag is the official betting sponsor of the Locked On Chargers podcast. The playoffs are upon us, guys. There's only a few more weeks you can keep betting on football. So get on now with betonline.ag. You could even bet on who is going to be the Chargers' next head coach. Right now, the favorite on betonline.ag is Brian Dable. So I know that excites some of you. That might not make some of you very happy. But if you guys want to bet on football or even basketball, whatever you want to bet on, betonline.ag is the place and it's the one place that we trust if you guys want to sign up today you can create a free account and use the promo code locked on for a 50 percent welcome bonus that's free money to gamble with guys every game that you put money on is definitely going to mean a lot more that's how i find interesting games that i don't really care about watching and you can have some free money doing it at betonline.ag and make sure to use that promo code locked on all caps one word for your 50 percent welcome bonus All right, so it's been a while since we've done some voicemails, but we definitely wanted to connect with you guys, get your voices on the show. I thought there'd be more reaction to Anthony Lynn. I think there will be a big reaction in the voicemail list once the Chargers do decide to get a new head coach. I mean, it's only something that happens really over every four years over the last couple of head coaches that the Chargers have, so we haven't been able to do this in a while. I'm excited to see who it is, and I think you guys are as well. But let's start with Zach from Florida here. I de- told him I would definitely have one of his voicemails on the next show that we did them. Here's Zach, and let's hear what he has for us this week. Hey, guys. Zach from Florida here. So I have another question for you, and this concerns the coaching search. So say we do get rid of Anthony Lynn at the end of the season. In terms of looking for a new head coach, would our team – be able to basically pick from a good amount of coaching candidates? Like in terms of would be would we be a 
attractive place to come coach? Or would we be a more selective team and only be able to possibly uh, pick between a couple? Just want to get your thoughts and both up. So, David, I think we've t- talked about this in some capacity as far as the Chargers being a very, very good opportunity and a good place for coaches to want to go coach. I mean, I think there are some other ones as well. I mean, especially ones that have super high draft picks where, you know, you could potentially pick your quarterback at the top of the draft or know what you're kind of getting yourself into. And I think that the Chargers definitely are right up there with the best of them. And I think it's all really centered around having Justin Herbert on his rookie contract. There's absolutely no question about that. I mean, the guy, we've already seen him have a historic year in the NFL. Whenever you go into the draft and grab somebody, you never know what that's going to look like. I mean, you never know if it's going to be a Justin Herbert historic year or a Tua Tagovailoa year. I mean, just you just don't know. It's a wild card. And I'm not saying that Tua might not bounce back and have a great career because he definitely has that ability. But Justin Herbert went out there and showcased what he could do in his rookie year. So right then and there, that has to be a very attractive destination for any coach, especially an offensive-minded coach that wants to, you know, grow his resume and, and grow and show everybody what he is capable of doing. But it's not just Justin Herbert. I mean, it's Keenan Allen, it's Austin Eckler, it's Derwin James, it's Kenneth Murray, it's Joey Bosa. The Chargers do have a good core of players that should attract pretty much anyone to come to LA, especially if you're trying to be a first time head coach. That's a lot of tools to utilize. Well, and that's the thing, too, is the Chargers, I mean, you're a 7-9 and nine team, so it's not exactly like you're the Jets and you have just a bunch of gaping holes on the team and on the roster. Obviously, Jacksonville, knowing that you could have Trevor Lawrence, you know, right off the bat, that's something that's very attractive. They have some cap space there as well because they've unloaded a lot of those big contracts. It's a definite rebuild, though. The Chargers are less of a rebuild You could go for something like Matt Ryan with the Falcons and have something a little bit more established with some talent on that team as well. You could go with Deshaun Watson, but you would be doing that knowing that you have some of the least amount of draft picks coming up in the next couple of drafts. So I think that it is a place a lot of people would want to go, and I think that's why you're seeing you know, John Harbaugh might be interested or Meyer might be interested in seeing these rumors floated about just because There's not many more opportunities where you could step in and be competitive next season and get your career with the Chargers off to a hot start by being the coach that makes the playoffs in your first season. So a lot to like about the job, but let's get to the next voicemail. This one is Victor from Orem, Utah. Let's hear what he has for us. Hey, guys. It's uh, Victor from Orem, Utah. I just want to thank you guys for sitting through all this crap that we've all been through and not just, you know, getting up. Halfway through the season, I really appreciate everything you guys have put in and sat through with us. So thank you. Um, my question is, it's kind of a random question, but do you, if Philip Rivers doesn't make the playoffs or do, or loses in the playoffs, do you think there's any chance he signs like a one-day contract with us and retires as a Charger? Um, yeah, that's my question. Thanks. All right, well, I appreciate you calling in, Victor. I know you said that you would on Twitter. We appreciate all your support, man, and um, we love being able to do the work for you. But I think this is a cool question because I don't think it's impossible. I mean, I don't think that the Chargers and Rivers ended on terrible terms. I think it was more on her term, on his terms than it was the Chargers wanting to get rid of him, David. I mean, I could be wrong on that, but I also think that Philip did lose some of the connection when they moved out of San Diego because that's where he was for most of his career 
at this point, I think the only player I can remember it happening for is LaDainian Tomlinson, who did that for the Chargers. So I can't remember any other ones that I can think of. But do you think it could happen? Yeah, I do think it can happen, actually. I mean, I think uh, compared to some of the uh, uglier divorces we've seen with players like Eric Weddle and, you know, even LT, who, you know, came back and signed the one-day contract and retired as a Charger, I mean, he had all of his best years. Now, if he wins a Super Bowl this year, that might change something. But he had all, you know, he spent most of his, you know, 98% of his career as a Charger. And, yeah, he had a, a great connection with San Diego. I mean, that was proven even after they moved when he would commute in a tricked-out, you know, bus or van that he made and go to and from. <laughs> to you know San Diego to LA for practices and stuff like that. So yeah, that's that's well documented, but I do think that there's a chance. I mean, because of the way that they handled the exit with Philip, which was with a lot more class than we've seen them make a lot of their moves, I think it is a possibility. Definitely a possibility. It's hard to know, you know, right now just because we don't even know how much longer Philip Rivers is going to be playing, but it's good to see him having a good year over there. I'll definitely be pulling for him. In the playoffs, but we have one more voicemail I want to get into on this side of the break. So let's hear what Alex from Peoria has for us. What's up, guys? It's Alex Reams giving a call from Peoria, Arizona. Um, sitting here watching NFL Network, and we all got our wish. Anthony Lynn is gone. Uh, and then the feeling starts to come in after we know that he is gone. Chargers, you better not screw this up. Um, we're looking for a rebuild. We have a win-now roster. Um, my hot take, I've heard this floated around a lot, but I actually think Eric Bieniemy is going to be a bust as a head coach. Um, I think that he rides the coattails of Andy Reid. He has the luxury of running an offense with Mahomes, Kelsey, and Hill. Kind of hard to screw that up. Um, you know, so I, I just hope that we don't go that route. That's just my opinion. I could be completely wrong, just like we all were about Justin Herbert, of course, but, um, I, I would love to see, um, the Chargers take a chance on Urban Meyer if his health um, is not going to be of concern. I just want to know what your guys' thoughts are of Urban Meyer uh, leading the charge with Justin Herbert. As always, go Bolts. Um, excited for the next season, and uh, see you later. So I don't know if I would just go out and say Eric Bieniemy is going to be a bust. I mean, I do like the way that you know players talk about him. I do you know like the things I've heard about him and just like his connection and how you know his attention to detail is something that he is really good at and you know controlling that offensive side of the ball for a really good offense. But I understand the argument of hey he's on Andy Reid's coattails, and the reason I say that is just because I kind of give Andy Reid almost the Belichick treatment at this point, where it's like. It's hard to separate what Eric Bieniemy is doing from what Andy Reid is doing because you know that he's given a lot of the credit for it. I mean, he seems like a good leader. He could definitely be a very good coach. He's probably had at least a hand in Patrick Mahomes' development. So I think those are all things he deserves credit for. But I understand the hesitation. But Urban Meyer, that's a tough one. David, I know John got to kind of talk about Urban Meyer yesterday. How do you feel about it today? I mean, I think when you hear Urban Meyer talk, you love the fire that, you know, he talks about the passion. You you can tell he truly loves the game. And you look at this guy's record. I mean, he never lost more than five games in his entire coaching career. So that is incredibly impressive. I mean, this guy is a winner. So if you don't have to worry too much about the health concerns and you want to make a big statement, a splash, 
higher than you go for Urban Meyer. I mean, I think that's definitely a move that you know you could make. I mean, it it comes with it comes with some risk for sure. But any decision when you're hiring a head coach comes with some risk. But I wouldn't mind it. I mean, I wouldn't mind it. I, I like I like the guy. Like I said, I like the way he talks. I feel like you know he can lead men. So and the Chargers are looking for a CEO type. So as far as Eric Bieniemy is concerned. I have the same reservations on, you know, what can we actually give him credit for? Like, what does he, what is, you know, I know he's the offensive coordinator, but that's really a name only. We know that Anthony Reed, excuse me, Andy Reed calls the plays or gets, like you said, gets credit for a lot of that offense um, that goes out there. So we just don't know what Eric B. Enemy does. It's just hard to tell what he should get credit for and what he shouldn't. Yeah. And I mean, he started doing it when Patrick Mahomes became the quarterback. So I think that's why. It's kind of hard to, you know, ent- disentangle that as well. So I do think he's a good coach. I do think there's a chance he comes in and does really well for a team. But for me, there's just people that I like a little bit more. And I think that's what it comes down to for me. But for Urban Meyer, it's hard to say because I think there's two trains of thought on it. I mean, his quarterbacks in college were Alex Smith, Tim Tebow, Cardiel Jones, Braxton Miller, Dwayne Haskins. All of those guys are really good collegiate quarterbacks and Alex Smith was pretty good in the NFL, but none of those other guys have been good at all in the NFL. So was he just maximizing the talent from those guys at the collegiate level or, you know, was something that he was doing with them kind of at least playing a part in why those guys couldn't succeed at the next level. So that's something I think that you could think about it kind of in two ways, but definitely a guy that's been known as a good leader, but known as a guy that even when he had health issues, I mean, Florida hasn't really struggled since then, neither has Ohio State. So I do think that it's worth a shot, especially if you're trying to make a big splash and he really sells you on his vision. But I think Tom Telesco could be fighting him a little bit as far as a power struggle on what they're going to do because he's going to be coming from a situation where he had all of the control and would be having to go to less unless they decide, hey, maybe it's just him. No Tom Telesco. But we do have three more voicemails I do want to get into We'll be talking about who the defensive coordinator would be if Brian Dable became the Chargers head coach. And we'll also just, you know, let Craig kind of gush about Brian Dable. I agree with most of what he says anyway, so that works a little bit. But we'll get into that and more coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys about the best protein bar on the planet. And I'm talking about Built Bar because for me, guys, a protein bar has to taste good for me to eat it. I mean, I've tried a bunch of different protein bars and I always usually end up going away from them if they don't taste good. But with Built Bar, there's 18 different flavors you can choose from. You can go salted caramel, toffee almond, coconut, peanut butter brownie. There's a ton of great flavors and they're all 100% covered in chocolate and soft and easy to chew. They're great for the keto diet. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein. You can have something healthy while feel like you're having a delicious treat. And right now, if you guys go to BuiltBar.com, you can use the promo code LOCKEDON to get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, one word for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, well, there's a few more voicemails I want to get into. I should probably start by saying, though, if you guys want to get on the show, the number is 323-524-7924 for the Lockdown Chargers voicemail line. We're trying to get as many of your guys' voicemails on the show as long as you keep them reasonably short and you're asking questions for the most part, but you don't always have to ask questions. We have some good ones that aren't questions, but this is somebody I've grown to really enjoy calling into the show. This is Deuce from Vegas. We're going to start here. Let's see what he has for us. What's up, y'all? Deuce here from Las Vegas calling in once again. I want to start off by saying thank y'all first and foremost for providing us with this platform, um, and I want to get into the folks that we requested permission to talk with. Um, I know that we requested permission 
for the Titans OC, um, as well as uh, the Colts defensive coordinator, and, and a couple other guys. But I want to talk about one person that uh, we requested permission to speak with um, in particular uh, that I would just be absolutely mortified if we actually hired, and that is Jason Garrett. Um, the fact that we're even giving this guy an interview is a, a joke. And honestly, if we hire him, this will make us the laughing stock of the league because it'll point to the, uh, the Spanoses doing what they do a lot of times, which is just hiring yes men, right? The only reason Jason Garrett even has a resume as a head coach is because he was Jerry Jones's, uh, lackey, right? That's the only reason. So, um, wanted to get your guys' thoughts on as to why we're even requesting permission to speak with Jason Garrett after having such an underwhelming uh, resume and career, particularly with the Cowboys. And even this year, as offensive coordinator with the Giants, I did not see any growth out of Daniel Jones. Um, and so, wanted to get your guys' take on that. Once again, appreciate y'all for everything you do. Bolt up, baby. <laughs> this is another one, David. I'm glad that we got to get to you because John did get to talk about Jason Garrett yesterday. You did not get to talk about it, but I know, I mean, I'm the one that gets to see you in the group messages when you see something like that, you know? So we all get the rawest reactions from each other when, you know, one of us ends up putting that in the group chat and, you know, hey, we got to talk about this tonight. And when that one popped up, I mean, I think it got a live reaction all of out of all of us. And I think it's the right one, David. I mean, that's just no, hell no, we're not going to do that. Exactly. I mean, when I first saw that the Chargers wanted to interview Jason Garrett, I'm like, what the hell for? Why, why would you want anything to do with this guy? Do you want a puppet? Do you want a yes man? I mean, no disrespect to Jason Garrett, the guy. I'm sure he's a nice guy. He only guy, had one losing season. <laughs> yeah, one losing season. That's wonderful. But I just... I. Do not like anything that this guy stands for. He just seems like a guy that's easily easily manipulated. He didn't really do a lot for development for a, a young quarterback. So I don't want him anywhere near Justin Herbert or the Chargers. If you're doing this to get in more information on an opponent for next year, then fine. I am totally okay with it. But if you actually have any legitimate feelings towards potentially hiring Jason Garrett, just stop yourself. Go ahead and look at and look at that name and just cross it off the list. And I put a lot of credence in what I heard from Daniel Popper, which is basically just saying, "Hey, this is a free scouting report on a guy or on a team that you're going to play next year in the Giants when you end up playing the NFC East." And I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, hey, what are you guys doing well? Why should we hire you to be, you know, our head coach? What are you doing that's innovative with Daniel Jones? And I know there's kind of split camps on Daniel Jones. I don't think he's maybe as bad as some people think he is. But obviously, the guy's a turnover machine. And is at this point, I mean, if Justin Herbert turned into Daniel Jones, it would be a giant disaster, in my opinion. So I'll Pun really intended. pass on that. You stay away from Justin Herbert, all right, Jason Garrett. And I think, you know, for Chargers fans, I mean, you just think of like, all right, that's really getting more of Dean Spanos than you want to just because, yeah, he does have that reputation. And that's something that's kind of hard to shake, fair or not. So let's get into another voicemail here. Thanks, Deuce. We appreciate you calling in. Now I want to get into one of my friends here, Roberto, calling in from Mexico. Let's hear what he has for us this week. Hello, guys. This is Roberto. How are you? It's finally done. I mean, uh, Anthony Lynn has been fired. I'm... 
happy about that. I mean, I'm I'm not happy at a person lost his job, but I think it was time for him to move on. And uh, I'm excited about the future. I just finished your emergency podcast, and I couldn't agree more with what Daniel was saying about Brian Dable. But then at the same time, uh, I don't know, like, uh, what, don't you guys think that, like, who would, who would you like to see as the defensive coordinator in case that we that we hired Dable? Wouldn't you be a little bit concerned about the defense in case we hired him? But okay, guys, that's my question, and yeah. This is a great question because when you bring in an offensive coach, I mean, you we've already heard Tom Telesco say he's going to give that coach, you know, the opportunity to bring in some of his own guys. Maybe some guys who are already on the Chargers get a chance to at least, you know, get in the conversation to come back. So maybe that's someone, you know, like Ron Miles or someone like that. We'll get to him later with Craig's question. But I do think that they, this is a, an interesting question, David, because when you bring in an offensive guy, obviously – you're hoping he can change your offense, develop Justin Herbert, even potentially be the play caller for the team. But who's going to run the defensive side of the ball when you're a guy that focuses on offense? Yeah, I mean, whoever it is, it's got to be someone who's incredibly aggressive. I really believe in that brand of defense. You know, more the Baltimore Ravens style, the swarming style, the, the I'm going to get pressure in your face all the time. I mean, that's the brand of defense I prefer to watch. And it's also, you know, just seems to be more effective. I mean, the bend but don't break defense. I mean, I know it's designed to limit explosive plays, but it is not a very fun defense to watch from time to time. I mean, and also it just seems like it's not effective. I mean, they have to be able to be malleable and to be able to adjust and be able to bring pressure when it's prudent. And it just doesn't seem like the Chargers have been able to do that. So whoever they decide to bring, I want them to be an incredibly aggressive defensive coordinator. I could definitely see wanting aggression out of the next coordinator just because with Gus Bradley, you literally got the league least every single season. I mean, they were at the very bottom of the league in blitzing. And that works in some you know cases, and it doesn't work in other cases. I mean, we saw the Chargers decide to blitz many times this year. It did end up with more turnovers late in the year, especially with more main coverage. But it also led to you know some more big plays because of that. And that's, I think, the fine line where you have to kind of look at it. But when you're taking an offensive coordinator from another team to be your head coach, the one thing that you want to look at is who does he work with already? Who has he worked with as far as guys the Chargers could potentially bring in? And a couple that stood out to me were Jarab Mayo, who's the linebacker coach in New England. And I think, obviously, they have ties from his days when he was with the New England Patriots. So that's somebody I think would make a lot of sense for him. He's also a guy that, you know, since recently starting coaching, has been has had a lot of people talking about what a good job he has been able to do with the Patriots. So that could be an option for them. There's also Eric Washington, who is a former player, but most recently he was the defensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers for a few seasons, and he is currently the defensive line coach for the Bills. So that's another situation where you could say, hey, come over here. I can give you a a raise, basically. You'll go back to being a defensive coordinator. You already have experience there. So when I see stuff like that, David, I always look at, you know, who could he be picking from guys he's already worked with? 
I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know that whenever these guys, especially if they're first-time head coaches, they're probably going to be, you know, reach out to their friends and the people that they're, you know, most closest to and most comfortable with, and say, "Hey, you know, I, you know, I got the gig over here in Los Angeles. You know, come out here and, and let's coach together." I mean, they're going to build their own staff, and Tom Telesco said that he's going to give his head coach the ability to hire his own staff. He said he might give some suggestions, but at the end of the day, his head coach is going to have the final call, and. You know, to look at his close compatriots and guys that he's worked with is probably a, a pretty good indicator of some of the people that you might see on the staff. Yeah, and then the other defenses he worked with besides the Panthers, and the Panthers did have, you know, some pretty good defenses in 2018, 2019 when he was there at times. I mean, obviously, he was also part of the Chicago Bears system for a while, too, a place that's definitely been known for their defense as well. So some good background there with Eric Washington. But we do have one more question that kind of has to do with this as well. This is Craig from Texas. Let's hear what he has to say. Hey, guys, it's Craig in Texas. Just giving a buzz in to kind of continue my lobbying for good old Coach Dable being the next guy in L.A. Um, Lots of things to be happy about, looking forward to, in regards to everything he can do. Um, One of the major things that I wasn't aware of was that the guy actually has a defensive background. So if we're looking for more of a CEO coach and a guy who understands pretty much every aspect of the game, specifically on the offensive and defensive side, then here he is. I mean, outside of just being an offensive genius, working under Saban and Bill Belichick on the defensive side of the ball before he moved over to offense says a lot for him. So... um, more so than anything, he has my vote, and uh, I know you guys did the show today, well, yesterday at this point when this airs, about um, kind of your opinions in regards to who should be next up, but I'm putting all my support behind Dayball. Um, go out and get a good defensive coordinator, one who has more of an attacking style, or even keep Ron Miles around and promote him. Um, he's put in the work, so I think he's ready. It's, it's his time. But, uh, again, not necessarily a question, more of just an opinion here. But uh, thank you guys, as usual. Bull ganger don't bang. Later on. So I take that back. It wasn't really a question, but I'm definitely glad that you called in, Craig. I know you're definitely one of the first people that was on the Brian Dable train, and I was actually even telling David that before the show, just saying, you know, hey, I, I know Craig's been on this bandwagon for a long time, and, I mean, I've definitely grown more fond of him since you definitely start since you started it. So, I do really love the fact that he is a well-rounded coach. I mean, I love the fact that he has a defensive background. I think that's something you want as your head coach. I mean, do I want him to meddle with what the defensive coordinator is doing all the time? No, but I do think it gives you a better sense of, you know, not only, you know, what are we doing wrong defensively as a team if that begins to be a struggle, but also as an offensive mind now, hey, what works against our defense? What are the things that I'm seeing going wrong on the defensive side that we could potentially exploit on the offense? So, David, what do you think about that? And then what do you think about, you know, potentially Ron Miles getting a chance at the defensive coordinator position? I mean, I, th- I think when you have a head coach, you know, yeah, they might have a concentration or a specialty on one particular side of the ball, whether that be offense or defense or special teams. But they have to be able to look at all aspects of the field, all aspects of the team and be able to make decisions and 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 make choices and, ha- and put inputs and all of that thing and all in all of those things, because you are the CEO of the team. You are the guy that's running the show. So I think it's important to have experience and you know, some acumen in many different parts of, you know, the football game. So I I like that. And for me, I think, 
I would really appreciate if Tom Telesco went up to whoever gets hired as the head coach and said, hey, you know, we've had this guy, Ron Miles, who's been on our staff for a really long time. We like him. You know, we think that he's done a great job with our defensive backs, our corners and our, our special and <clears throat> our cornerbacks and, and our secondary. And I think this guy deserves at least an, an, an opportunity to have a conversation, to do an interview for that defensive coordinator position. So at the end of the day, the coach is going to have the final say. But I, for one, feel like he absolutely deserves it and he is ready for that next step. Well, just like we talked about as far as like not knowing, you know, what the difference is between Eric Bieniemy and what he's able to do that's not Andy Reid related. I think it's different with Brian Dable because you're not just getting the hot New England Patriots assistant at the time or whatever. You're getting a guy who's worked with the Patriots with Bill Belichick. He's worked with Nick Saban, like you talked about, Craig. I mean, those are a lot of good guys to learn under. He knows both sides of the ball. I mean, he seems like the whole package, and I don't think anyone's looking at what Buffalo is being able to do and saying that's Sean McDermott doing that as a defensive minded head coach. I mean, I'm sure he has some input and I'm sure they talk all the time, but I mean, what he's been able to do there this year, what he's been able to do with Josh Allen is just so impressive to me that I just think that that's a guy that I'd be comfortable letting work with Justin Herbert, who is the entire future of this team. But that is going to wrap things up for today's show. Thank you guys for calling in with your voicemails. One more time, the number is 323-524-7924 if you guys want to get in on the action. We try to get every Chargers voicemail played on the show. We'll be back with you guys tomorrow, but until then, make sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC and to like the Facebook page at LockedOnChargers as well as subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast, whether it's on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can rate and review as well. We would really appreciate it, and subscribing is always the fastest and easiest way to get the show. But we'll be back with you guys tomorrow. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.